to hold these truths to be self-evident. A date which will live in infamy. Ask not what your country can do for you. It's one small step for man. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Tear down this wall. Read my lips. I did not have sexual relations. Oh, oh, yes, you did. I can hear you. <laughs> the rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The education government schools failed to give you. That made me cough. <laughs> this is WTN University. Masters in Divinity's course, The Life of Mohammed the Syrah. If you don't understand the life of Muhammad, you can't begin to understand the Quran. You can't begin to understand the headlines of the news this week. So we start with our Taste of Islam, Masters in Divinity's course, the Sirah, the life of Muhammad. As always, our headmaster and professor is Dr. Bill Warner from politicalislam.com and author of the book, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, as well as this course you're taking, the Sirah, the life of Muhammad. Welcome back from Florida. I'm surprised you didn't decide to stay. Turn your mic on. You're not in. I, you're not in Kansas anymore. We're not. <laughs> no, I was in uh, Palm Beach giving a talk, and uh, it was quite cold down there. By the way, it's quite cold here. So, but anyway, t- we need to return to Muhammad, and we need to remind everybody why we're doing this. It's not just it's another biography. As a matter of fact, the first point we're going to cover today is why the State Department needs to know the life of Muhammad, because we're going to cover treaties, Islamic treaties. And for those who think you can make peace with Islam, you can, but it's on their terms. Demitude, which is a word people hear often. They're going to understand it in a new way. This has been an amazing journey from childhood uh, through his revelation to being one of 364 religions to then suddenly not giving people a choice to then stealing and uh, jihad and slaughter. And uh, and now we get to... uh, Demitude, which uh, is a big part of Islam and a big part of the news every day. Well, Muhammad decided that he was prosperous and wealthy enough and strong enough now in particular to he wanted to take all of his members from Medina and go to Mecca for a pilgrimage. You have to understand that Islam is an adaptation of the pagan religions that were there before Muhammad became about. So the Muslims said, no, you can't come in. He showed up, as I recall, with 5,000 people. He says, nope, you can't come in. But they negotiated a treaty so he could return next year. This treaty had a duration of 10 years. Should we restate? They found him to be – well, first of all, they were very frustrated that he couldn't perform any miracles. They would even say, even though they were, you know, pluralistic and and paganistic, they they would say, you know, look, Jesus at least raised somebody from the dead, fed, you know, 5,000 people, blind people. Moses parted the waters. Yeah, do, do a miracle. And, of course, Muhammad couldn't. Then they found him to be very intolerant. So his return to Mecca meets, you know, very tolerant people, and they're very intolerant. Yeah, they've sounds had, like, they've like, had bad experiences. Well, there. it sounds like Muhammad returning to America. That's what it sounds <laughs> like, but go ahead. So anyway, they drew up a treaty. Now, this demoralized the Muslims because you've got to remember, they're on a roll. They're winning everything that comes down. There was the, re- there was the reset in Uhud. But anyway, so on the way back, the uh, treaty, the, I'm sorry, the surah of the Quran named Victory was revealed because Muhammad said, no, this was a great victory. First off, they negotiated with us as a political entity, and we set terms. We set our terms. Which we do today, right? We don't negotiate with terrorists. Now suddenly we do. And, and that gives them a legitimacy. Well, in absolutely. and of itself, it is a victory. No, 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 it is a victory. 
And so anyway, the Surah victory said there's going to be more war. There will be more booty. Don't worry about it. So they said it was a victory for Islam. By the way, booty is also figurative and literal in the case of Islam. Yes. They, they get literal booty, and then they steal booty, which is goods and services and value. So after this, the, the, uh, the Surah victory also said – this is a ch- – uh, cha- we need to say this is a chapter in the Quran – said there will be more booty coming. So soon thereafter, Muhammad, two months later, struck out to attack the Jews of Kaibar, and he defeated them. And uh, one of the uh, – there's some details about the defeat – uh, that are very interesting. The, amongst the captives was a beautiful Jewish named Safia. And uh, he, another warrior, jihadist, had already chosen her for his own particular pleasure. And Muhammad saw her and says, no, she belongs to me. One of the rules was he got the picks. One thing you could say about Muhammad, he did have good taste in women. Yes, yeah. I, you know, I never heard it put that way. But well, no, but I mean, <laughs> like, he would always, you know, if somebody was really, really, and they go out of their way to explain, like, you know, we're not talking about a seven here. This girl's like a 10. Right, right, well, that's right. you. That's me. That's embarrassing. How could you? <laughs> how, could, how could I do that? That's I don't first, know. Do you notice how I originally, I, I, would like, I jumped on the bullet for you. I assumed it was me and it was you. Nope, nope, that was me. All <laughs> right, so uh, he uh, massacres the Jews in Kaibar, and then there's this beautiful Safiya. All right, right. So. And so he gets her for his uh, own particular pleasure. And also we need to understand that the rules for rape which were part of jihad, have been laid out. You can't rape a woman who's pregnant. You have to wait till she has the child. And you can't rape her if she's having her menses. So this is all laid out as to how you do this. Uh, now, there's another detail which I find interesting. There was a rumor that the Jews of Kaibar had a huge treasure buried. And so after they defeated them, they brought out the chieftain of the Jews, and they said, okay, where's the money? He wouldn't tell them. So they staked him out on the desert ground, they built a small fire on his chest and says, tell us where the money is. Of course, we have, we have debates over waterboarding. Uh, I'll be waterboarding any day over <laughs> fireboarding, let me tell you. <laughs> and here's fireboarding, thanks to Muhammad. But, but, it, but it gets better because he wouldn't confess, and so therefore they unstaked him and led the tortured Jewish chieftain over to a jihadi whose brother had been killed in the attack on Kaibar, and he got to behead him. Michael, have you noticed there's a theme about this beheading? This isn't the first one, and how often this comes up. So whenever we, whenever we see these tortures, sex slavery, beheading, crucifixions, and so on and so forth, um, whether you're Paul Galloway, whether you're Barack Obama, whether you're Hillary Clinton, whether you're a nightly news anchor— this is always painstakingly politically correct, referred to as these people are not Islamic. These people have hijacked a peaceful, wonderful religion and perverted it. And yet you would, you, I would want to sell them a bracelet. What would Muhammad do? Well, in this case, Muhammad led him after being tortured. Now he's still busy with Shaykh Safiya and having a blast with her. Uh, and then this person is beheaded. So the, the real relevant question is what would Muhammad do? He would behead. He would burn alive. He would drown. He would crucify. He did it first. You can't be hijacked by your your prophet. So this is what's disingenuous about the whole narrative. So to backtrack a little bit on the story, the way that he got her was he uh, sent Bilal, who was a freed slave and his uh, uh, constant companion of Muhammad, to bring him back the two most beautiful women. And when they passed by their dead husbands, one of them shrieked and began to freak out and threw dust on her head and started screaming and yelling. And Muhammad says, take this she-devil away from me. 
And then later, uh, after he had put his cloak over Safia to indicate she was his, he said to Bilal, do you not have any compassion bringing those two women past their dead husbands? I mean, do you get the irony of this? This is after she's a she-devil take her Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, hey, don't. So anyway. So uh, Muhammad had wingmen. He did pimps. I never Can you imagine if Jesus did that, went through a town, never mind who he healed, never mind all that. Just say, uh, bring me the two best-looking women. And then if they see their tortured husband dead on the ground and freak out, like, get the she-devil away from me. And and we wonder why Muslims treat women the way they do today. They get it from their freaking prophet. This is the Sunnah of Muhammad. We need to remind people, this is not a biography. This is a political and religious text that sets forth the perfect behavior for all Muslims for all time. And may I remind people... It's more central to their beliefs than the Quran. Yes. And may I remind people that in the beginning... If the Muslims merely practice what comes in Mecca, then you're right. You have a Muslim who does not participate in jihad. But as we can see in Medina, which is a better It's not a hijacking and a perversion. It's a fulfillment. There's a difference, a completeness. So anyway, uh, now now comes the demitude because the Jews are defeated. Now, up to this point, Muhammad had either killed all the Jews or driven them out of the country. But he now had a problem, the same problem that Genghis Khan had when he had his policy of killing everybody in the town. It's like, wait a minute, we're leaving behind a wasteland and we've killed all the cash cows. So what he did was he cut a deal. The deal is called a dema, which is Arabic for contract. And the demi is the one who signs the contract. Here's the deal. You can keep my property, which is now mine, and you can farm it, but you give me half of what you raise. Slavery. Well, kind of. But they're now demis. Actually, there's a subtle difference here, which we'll get to. Well, they get – I mean, people don't realize this, but most of the slaves that came to America were purchased from Muslims. I mean, yeah, they, the slave all, trade – every, every, Islam, isn't Islam still the only religion on earth that still believes in slavery? Well, they would say they gave that up. But uh, when you read the text, if Muhammad was a slave owner and his sunnah is permanent and forever, then slave owning is good forever. Mm. Look, when Islamic State does all these things – as a matter of fact, we could almost predict that this will be something they'll do. They'll stake a man down on the ground and kill him by burning a fire. Oh, through it's his coming! Chest. All right, so uh, you were getting ready to say the subtle difference between slavery oh, and a slave is to be well treated. The demi is to be humiliated. Hmm. A subtle difference, and this turns out once so, you know this is in the news today because uh, they in um, Iran at the anniversary of the revolution, which by the way, Jimmy Carter. Meddled in Iran, didn't think the Shah was treating all the Iranians as well as he could, created an overthrow, kind of like we did in Egypt with Barack Obama, and that created the Islamic Revolution that led to the Ayatollah and a hostage crisis. And today, they are the Islamic Republic of Iran. They are a, um, I don't know, a radical Islamic regime. Uh, They are a theocracy. They are a Sharia government under the thumb of an Ayatollah, Revolutionary Guard, and a puppet president. So in their celebration of their anniversary of their revolution, uh, they actually mocked our 10 naval uh, cadets who were on their knees and begging. And so for most people, they're going to, you know, that's going to be a source of pride. Oh, they're mocking us. No, this is actually finds its roots in demohood. This is demitude in action. All right, so we sign this deal with them, give them a path to a nuclear weapon, give them billions of dollars. That's a victory, a demification victory for them. And they're actually treating us worse than slaves. They're treating us as demis. 
because we just did a deal with them, which acknowledged them, gave them credibility. I mean, do you realize how much of this chapter is happening right now on the ground in Iran, thanks to Barack Obama and Jimmy Carter before him? And do you also realize that both the military, the FBI, and the State Department have no eye. Well, they threw out people like you that would teach them the actual Quran, teach them the actual Sirah. And the, the dangers of the Hadith. I've been thrown out some nice places, Michael. Not not your hotel room this weekend, though, <laughs> no, right? were you? <laughs> oh, you old devil, you. So, anyway. By the way, the doc stayed in a $750 room. Which was, I was stunned. I didn't know they made rooms that expensive, quite frankly. You've come a long way from a guy that used to poop in a ditch. Right, and stay at the Red Roof Inn. <laughs> he did not have a toilet growing up. And then we had went, an outhouse. What was that? You dug a, a hole. It was a pit toilet. And then yeah, you had to but, move but, it. How but was there was it? a roof over your head. But was, you, we weren't just an open ditch. No, I know on. that. <laughs> but how often did you have to move it? Like weekly or monthly? Uh, it was infrequent. We, we won't go into the details yeah. of maintenance. But you come a long toilet. way to a 750. <laughs> no, I really have. <laughs> I don't know why I digressed into that. All right. So, but no, this is, a, this is why we're doing this course. You know, you hear us say flowerly or, you know, in, in, in an imaging positioning way. You can't understand the Quran unless you understand the life of Muhammad. You can't even pick it up and read it. And you sure as heck can't understand the headlines of the day. This is why, in a revolutionary anniversary, they mocked our naval cadets. Because we took a demi-position with Iran. We gave them legitimacy. We took a subservient position. We gave them hundreds of billions of dollars, a pathway to a nuclear weapon. And so that that's actually less than slave. So just as they were mocking in Muhammad's day, they're mocking in Iran today. This is why we're doing this course. It's the life of Muhammad, the Sirah. It's our WTN University Masters in Divinities course. More with our professor, Dr. Bill Warner, from politicalislam.com when we come back. material better than the professor but at least look interested i learned it from him though. you're listening to wtn <laughs> university on super talk 99.7 wtn actually i was first discipled on islam by raises Safa. then you there was some robert spencer sprinkled in there's a you know we've got some voices out there wtn university masters in divinities the life of muhammad the sirah continues on super talk 99.7 wtm i'm michael del giorno and our professor from politicalislam.com is dr bill warner author of the book sharia law for non-muslims as well as this the life of muhammad from his taste of islam series i want to give him a review of the first half of class in case they're just joining us well, one of the things we need to talk about in our review is the Treaty of Hudaybiyah didn't make it crystal clear what all Islamic treaties involved. They're only written when they feel weak and need to be stronger. They're none any better than 10 years. That's the absolute limit. And the third thing is they can be broken as soon as Islam feels that it's strong enough to break the treaty. How would that translate with our deal, our demo deal with Iran? Not good is how it Not good. Then we also have the relation, the proper relationship between the kafir and the Muslim is established with the idea of the dhimmi, D-H-I-M-M-I. The dhimmi has to be subjected to the sharia and has to pay the jizya. And, but it's the, uh, it's the part about the sharia that we see most of all. And what's disgusting is, yeah, I use that word, is how many religious leaders and political leaders assume the position of the dhimmi. That is, Islam is always right 
And if we're humiliated in the process, well, you know, we'll just overlook that. So well, also in, we forget in, a president of the United States is not just commander in chief and head of the executive branch of government. He's also a state figurehead, and he certainly positioned this that way immediately in Cairo, and uh, did it again at a radical mosque last week. And he has certainly done it through his foreign policy. I, I think you know one of the things in this review because I think this is fascinating. When we get to Kaibar, I mean, this is everything we're seeing ISIS do. I almost want to start by saying, is there anything you've seen ISIS do that Mohammed didn't order, do? Or witness being done? No. For a while, when they burned the airman, I said, you know, now that violates the Sharia. But then digging deeper, since Islam is dualistic, they've always got two answers for everything. And indeed, Muhammad one time said to those who do not come to the mosque, burn the house down on top of them. Now, that'll get you to church on time. Now, they're burning people alive. Uh, In this case, in Kaibar, we see them actually torture one of the the Jewish men by burning a fire on their chest to try to get information. You can see Mohammed uh, taking the beautiful women. Then there was that amazing exchange where uh, they walk. He sends out his his slave, his eunuch slave, uh, to go find the two best looking girls. And then they walk him past the dead bodies of their husbands. One freaks out. He says, get rid of that she devil. Then he chastises the guy. Hey, listen, when I tell you to go get beautiful women, don't walk them by their tortured dead husbands. I mean, this is bizarre stuff. But I mean, there's nothing, th- this assumption that Islam has been hijacked and what we're seeing ISIS do is some really perverted version. No, it's straight from what Muhammad would do and did and witnessed and never rebuked. And by the way, you've overlooked that in Kaibar, the rules for rape of Kafir women is established which is it can be done. Just don't rape them when they're pregnant. Don't rape them when they're having their period. Mm. We, but we have also uh, one last little story we can cover here, which is in its – look, do you, these are like scenes out of a movie, all right? So after Safia has been beautified for her wedding night and she goes with Muhammad into the tent, this is the most beautiful Jewess who was taken for Muhammad's own. When he got up the next morning, he realized that one of his warriors had been he had heard him walking around his tent all night long. And he says, what are you doing out here with a drawn sword? Let me just read this. The warrior said, I was afraid for you. You killed her husband, tortured her father to death, and destroyed her people. And he was afraid that she would get up in the middle of the night and kill him. His own jihadi warrior summarizes the whole event. Mm. So there's, there's nothing subtle about this at all. Now, the Jews in Fadak, which were a nearby town, heard about all this, and they said, Let's skip the war business. We'll just be demis right off the bat. What are we seeing here? We're seeing casting terror in the hearts of men. We're seeing psychological warfare mm-hmm. at which Islam is incredibly good at. We don't have an equal at all in this. So, so this is, this is, we've only covered here today three pages in my little book. And look at what all we've gone under. Laws well, this of treaties, is what, the laws this of This is why we're doing it. This is everything. Uh, you, you could say this chapter... We've seen it play out in the Iran deal. We see we see it play out with Muslim Brotherhood. We see it play out with Hamas. We've seen it play out in Egypt. We've seen it play out in Yemen. We've seen it play out in Libya. We're seeing it played out in Syria. I mean, this is, you know, hopefully they get it more than anything. What now, was the deal about making dinner? Oh, the, this is a very famous, uh, in terms of uh, Islamic-Jew relationships, this is another thorn in the side of the Muslims. Because one of the women whose husband had been killed— mm-hmm. Uh, fixes a meal for Muhammad, and he takes a bite of the—she says, what is your favorite joint? And she knew it was the, f- the front shoulder, so she had poisoned that. And she gave it to him, and he tasted it, and he spit out it. said, this is poison. And she says, yeah, it is poison. She's just very frank about it. She says, here's the deal. If you were a king, it would kill you. 
But if you were a prophet, you'd be able to detect it was poisonous. So therefore, you're a prophet. But he later, this story goes into the future. Who goes immediately to heaven when they die? The jihadist who dies because of his jihad, not just practice. So later when he died, they said the poison from the Jewish was in his body and was what finally killed him, elevated him to the status of a shaheed, one who dies in jihad. They just, it's like playing cards with my son. They just make it up <laughs> as they go, don't they? Uh, so Jesus raises a man from the dead, feeds 5,000, turns water to wine, walks on water, uh, heals the blind, heals the sick, does all kinds of miracles. This guy spits out a shoulder bone. <laughs> He's he's ungrateful. Didn't like his dinner. Right. He's arrived. Oh, this is so. So this is this is the story of Kaibar, which is I say some of these scenes. I mean, you can see them in a movie. Yeah. Well, actually, I had Tommy look up uh, how to say you can't make this crap up in Arabic. Would you like to give it a shot before we? You can't make this crap up. There you have it in Arabic. <laughs> Um, Muhammad's final jihad is that uh, where we're headed next, or we that's, gonna... that's that we're we're going to the final jihad because he's going to win big time. He's, he's like Donald Trump. I'm going to make Islam great again. I'm going to win big, win big, and win big he does. Uh, if you're wondering where uh, dematude and slavery and worse than slavery, how you treat a demi and how you treat captured slaves, how you take their money, how you leave them in their land, but then take all their future production or steal their most beautiful women. It all comes from the life of Muhammad, folks. And so, you know, when you're watching the news and you're seeing these horrific things that ISIS is doing, they're not doing anything that the only perfect Muslim, Muhammad, didn't do first or condone first. This is not a hijacked perversion of Islam. It is the fulfillment and completeness of it. They're actually the good Muslims. Well, you won't hear that from your president. You won't hear that from your university. But that's why we have WTN University, The Life of Muhammad, The Sirah, with Dr. Bill Warner. Closing remarks when we come back. Miss <laughs> Freeman, why can't you be like Mr. Del Giorno? And for goodness sakes, sit like a lady. <laughs> I wish they would on Fox You're News right now. to WTN Gee. University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. 11.52. Uh, Preds tonight in Tampa to take on the Lightning at 6.30 on Fox South TN. NBA All-Star Weekend. Tonight's the All-Star Celebrity Game on ESPN. Tomorrow night, of course, is everything that you love, even more than the game itself. Uh, so you'll have the slam dunk competition, the three-point competition, the skills competition, and then, of course, uh, that and Sunday's game at 7 East versus West on TNT. For new movies, we got Zoolander 2 with Ben Stiller, Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds, and How to Be Single uh, with Leslie Mann. And uh, we're, of course, wrapping up WTN University Masters in Divinities, The Life of Mohammed with Dr. Bill Warner. You know, one of the things I would probably want to get in this week, because I think it's very significant, uh, I do agree with Michelle Bachman and those who have said it before. Uh, that what we're seeing is uh, a lack of understanding of Muhammad, his life, the Quran, the Sirah, the Hadith, uh, whether it's ISIS, Hezbollah, or Al-Qaeda, or so on. Uh, we have a lack of understanding for their plans for civilization overthrow. And what I am seeing is we don't understand the difference between a migrant and uh, somebody that really is uh, needing asylum for their life and safety. And what we're seeing is a troop deployment. 
to destroy not only Europe but eventually America. But I wanted to make sure that we made this very clear. Uh, Congress, the headline is, is considering safe zones for persecuted Christians and Yazidis in Iraq. Why? Because the other big story of the week is that Christians, gays, and women are fleeing these asylum centers because they're being persecuted, raped, and killed by Muslim men. And we've seen this on the ships, too. You know, So um, what, what's ironic is, and what America doesn't get is, we're allowing them to do this troop deployment in Europe and America. We should have done areas in the Middle East for these people seeking asylum, not spreading them out in Europe and in America. Now we're going to – so we've had, what, 400 come to America so far, only two Christians? So now we're going to leave the Christians in the Middle East in a safe zone while the radical terrorists and the Muslims were going to spread throughout Europe and America. America, you could not be more ignorant and more stupid, and it's going to lead to the chaos you're seeing in Europe here in America. Uh, but this is all per the plan, and they're follow. I mean, I think if today's class proves anything, this is exactly what Mohammed did, and these are not new game plans we're seeing. And let us remind ourselves of one more thing that Mohammed did. <clears throat> Jihad started after migration. Always. Think back, if you think back, the story, in, in Mecca we had the peaceful religious Muhammad. The political jihad Muhammad was created after jihad. And, that those, and the Islamic calendar recognizes this. Islamic calendars start with the migration of Muhammad to Medina. Why? Because that was the beginning of success. Migration will lead to jihad if they're going to follow Muhammad. In the Treaty of um, Hudabiyah, you, you get jihad, you get the first demis, demitude, uh, and I hope you get a glimpse that there's nothing you're seeing ISIS do that Muhammad didn't do first, order from rape to torture to slaughter, uh, or witness and not condemn. The question is, what would Muhammad do? Nothing's been hijacked or perverted. You're just ignorant of the true life of Muhammad, and that's what this university's been all about. Hope you've enjoyed. We'll be back next week with the final jihad and Dr. Bill Warner, and I'll see you Monday, President's Day at 9 a.m.